question for you today is strata life or strata strife? It's not really a question. That's more of a statement. For many people, that is the the situation that they find themselves in, that they love living in a strata. And for others, it is nothing more than strife. Tony Giaventu is the executive director of CHOA, the Condominium Homeowners Association. He's also an author, broadcaster, speaker, educated, and he was recently on the Real Estate Council BC's independent advisory group that was uh, poised or appointed, that is, to examine real estate practices in BC, uh, largely, uh, I don't know if you even wanted to get into this at all, but we're here now, so it was your, by the way, I I do, and I don't think I've had a chance to tell you this, uh, you know, I'm scrambling here. First of all, let's back up. I'm going to open up the phones right away because a lot of people want to talk to you. 604-280-9898. Anything having to do with Strata Life, Tony Giovento will take your call. 604-280-9898, star 9898 if you're mobile. And I, I wanted to get that out so we give ch- people a chance to call uh, when I ask you uh, a couple of questions off the top here. First off, I read that report, 64 pages. Yeah. I read it from beginning to end, and I, I thought it was a really good thorough, well-thought-of report. So congratulations. Well, thank you. But uh, to the colleagues um, who worked on the report and all the staff who provided support, they were amazing. And to the people who were appointed to the committee, um, the Real Estate Council and Superintendent need to be applauded for the the depth and the diversity of people who were appointed because it meant that we had experience from almost every perspective, um, from a legal perspective, investigation, from real estate. And there was an an incredible balance, and uh, the committee spent an inordinate number of hours debating, discussing, investigating, reinvestigating, asking for more information. And the result of the report was, you know, it was a, a basically a health card um, on the status yeah. of the industry, what we had to do to change, the changes that are coming, uh, the transition that will be taking place in the structure. It will no longer be the, the self-regulated formula anymore. Uh, and I think that you can look forward to some pretty dynamic changes in the real estate industry over the next year. And I think what I liked about it is I think it minimized the amount of political interference. I I mean, there's always politics at play with these things. And I felt that you were able, not not you personally, but the the group that you worked with, you were able to uh, mitigate most of that kind of what I would call political interference. There was none. There was no political interference or intervention at all. Uh, even with the um, um, report information, if there was some feedback required, uh, there was a request, but there was there was no external pressure on what the result of the report was. It was really it was truly an independent report. Very thorough and. Uh What's interesting is I, so when it first came out, it, it was delivered into my inbox and, and I was reading it and I got to about page 23 and I called a real estate friend of mine and I wanted, because as I was reading and I, like I said, I only got into page 23 and I kept thinking, I've heard this, some of this stuff before from my friend who is, who's a longtime realtor and I called him up and because I wanted to see what he said and I figured as much that he would say, I told you so. And I said, I'm only at page 23. He says, oh, I'm at page 43 or something like that. And he right. says, let's talk afterwards. He, right. he didn't want to stop. Right. He wanted to keep going and read it. Uh, it's available online, the it's, report. It's available online. It's on the Real Estate Council website. It is a, a report that is available to the public. Uh, I think the, the recognition of the report is is not the, the dysfunction of the um, industry itself in as much as some of the principles that everyone was functioning around. Right. So things like dual agency. 
agency uh, where the uh, agent was representing both the seller and representing the buyer. And, and some of those concepts that when you really start, you know, you take the curtain, go behind, right. and you start looking at it, you start asking yourself, well, how can you independently um, represent both of those parties and do it in a way that's going to be in the best interest of both parties? And you come to the quick realization, it's not possible. It's not transparent it, it, at all. It, well, it's not only that it's not transparent, but it's simply not possible. There's just no way you can independently represent two parties with two diverging interests, one to buy, one to sell, um, at the same time and get the best result for both parties. It'll be a compromise. So, you know, there, there were some dynamic recommendations and the end of dual agency was obviously one of them. Yeah. What were some of the other things, so, sort of the key things in terms of uh, what will be coming down? What What is the real estate industry going to look like as a result of that report? Well, I think the structure of how regulation is going to happen will change. Uh, so it won't be, I think that's the biggest thing of, of, of the, the entire menu. It will be the structure of the fact that it won't be a self-regulated industry. The uh, board of the Real Estate Council will no longer be elected. They'll be appointed. Uh, the disciplinary process will be different. Investigations will be different. Um, penalties will be substantially different. Mm-hmm. The, you know, we're going from uh, 10, 25,000 um, maximums to 250, 500,000. We're talking serious stuff now. We're, and we're talking um, possible lifetime um, suspensions of licenses. We're also talking disgorgement of um, any profits or benefits that have been received, yeah. right? And and the evolution of that, um, it, it's it's a complicated process to be able to disgorge profits um, and then be able to say to the person who was harmed, oh, by the way, you get that back. That's a very long, complicated process. Yeah. That may happen in time over a couple of years, uh, but to develop that from a legislative perspective is very complicated. But just the basic um, structure of enforcement is over all what's going to change more than anything. And I think that's the the essence of the report itself. To go back a little bit, just to, briefly for, for historical purposes, was the, 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 the origins of this self-regulation, was it to divest the government of this bureaucracy and this expense? Was that part of it? Uh, it's not as simple as that. Uh, it's an industry that was built on a, a rather large structure. It was an industry that in a lot of ways was regulating anyhow. And so the, the nature of the structure of the industry was regulating. It was an industry that um, probably some of it was to download the burden from government. So government said, you know, here you are. Um, you will have a, a regulatory model. You'll be responsible for licensing right. and for discipline and enforcement. And, and, and the difficulty within that is that the very people who work in the industry become the regulators of their own industry. They're put into, into impossible situations. Yeah. I think it's unfair to do that to the industry itself in the sense that it, it imposes an obligation to regulate. At the same time, we want you to be a reputable agency and organization and protect the public interest. At the same time, we want you to protect your own organization. Uh, again, there, there are too many roles that There's the organization... There's a lot of conflict there. There's a lot of conflict, yeah. Well, the two things that come to my mind is, uh, is one, uh, we let dentists, doctors, lawyers, and others self-regulate. Uh, that's one thing that comes to my mind. And the other thing that comes to my mind, are, are we now as taxpayers going to be burdened with babysitting the real estate industry? The the structure of how that's going to look hasn't been published um, for everyone to see yet, but essentially no. The the regulatory function is still going to come under licensing, under licensing fees, mm-hmm. um, the enforcement fees. Uh, what we may find is that the investigation process becomes more costly, but again, it'll become a cost of the council and the industry. Right. 
So right. it, 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 it will still be a cost that continues to be borne by the industry. Well, this is the first time we've had a chance to speak since then, and I know that was a bit of time ago, uh, and I wanted to say congratulations because I was thoroughly impressed. And given the amount of time that you people had to work on this, which was relatively little compared to other reports of this nature, you did a fantastic job, so good on you. Uh, what's next? Are you running for office? <laughs> Do you want to declare yourself right now? No, no, I no, I think I think that we're short on people who work in the public interest, who don't have any conflicts, who don't have any loyalties. I, we don't have a lot of people who do that. Good on you. Good on you. Um, I want to take a break, but I want to ask you something first because I want to do the segue into a little bit of strata stuff. So before we take a break, let's do this as, as a segue. Uh, we were talking before we, we began this show today about strata living. And one of the biggest things for people who live in a strata, whether it be a high-rise condominium or a townhouse complex, that is understanding the basics of what strata living is all about. So can you do, a, a, in about a minute, <laughs> there you go, no pressure, a stra- how about strata 101? What are the expectations and what, what is the reality? Basics of strata living is that you collectively own all of the property or assets that are shown within your property itself, the strata plan. Uh, so, and that may be a, a vertical piece of property, a strata on top of a hotel or something like that. It could be a bare land strata of 18 houses that look like a normal neighborhood, could be a, a marine strata, an industrial strata, conventional apartment type building, townhouse complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you collectively own, you're collectively accountable to each other, you collectively pay for, you're collectively liable for any actions and obligations. And, you know, I always go back to the same line that I use on every show everywhere, that as long as you understand when you move into a strata that your home is not your castle, mm. that you just simply own a portion of the castle. Right. Uh, and I'll um, take the turret on the left side. Uh, exactly, exactly. Not over the front gate. <laughs> uh, that's a, that'll be the noisiest part that comes with <laughs> or, it. Or the moat. Uh, or the moat. Uh, but but you, you really are a member of a collective, and so you have responsibilities to each other to behave reasonably, act reasonably, um, and so you have a system of basic governance, which is the act and the bylaws. Right. Uh, and up until this year, um, any type of civil dispute that occurs within a strata, you, you were looking at pretty costly court actions. So, you know, now we have the introduction of the Civil Resolution Tribunal, which is going to have a dynamic change. And we'll get into that. Let, it, let's take a break. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I'm going to take a break now because I, I want to go down just sort of some of the items that I want to touch on and, and then open up the phone. So we want to talk about liquidation, that, that is the selling off of an entire complex. We want to talk about what you just mentioned, the CRT, that's the Civil Resolution Tribunal. This is a huge, huge step forward. We want to talk about the column you wrote uh, just recently about seniors. We want to talk about smoking, bylaws, the Strata Act, and what's going on at your Strata that's bugging you a little bit, uh, or even a lot. Tony Giaventu is here, 604-280-9898, or star 9898 if you're uh, mobile this morning. This is Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW. Tony Giovento is our guest today. He's the executive director of CHOA, the Condominium Homeowners Association. And we are taking calls on Strata Life or Strata Strife at 604-280-9898 or star 9898. We'll uh, jump on the phone in just one moment. Uh, we touched upon this in our last segment, Tony, and that is the Civil Resolution Tribunal. I think this is perhaps one of the single biggest steps to move this whole thing forward, because up until the Civil Resolution Tribunal came aboard, 
it was very cumbersome to resolve disputes within stratas. Well, first off, I have to say, I have to con- uh, commend the Attorney General um, for supporting this program and pushing it through because it's not popular uh, within a lot of communities. I'm sure, yeah. Lawyers aren't happy about it because, for the most part, there is no legal representation. There are no costs. And so it's encouraging people to solve disputes, solve them quickly, consensually, and get a decision quickly if you need it as well. And relatively so. inexpensively. It's was it same, $125 same price, to start? Same, same price as small claims court, yeah. right? And if it turns out that you're right and you win your decision, you're going to probably get your money back. It'll be awarded to the other side. That's the limit on the costs. So, you know, from a perspective of solving disputes and stratas, it's it's brilliant. And it's taken a lot of support from the AG's office, and they've done a great job with it. We had Shannon Salter in here uh few weeks ago, uh, just before the launch, and uh, she's terrific, and she's very much like you in terms of her dedication to the cause, and I think with people like her, like you, that are leaders in our industry, uh, that we're in good hands, so uh, I, I think that if people could take the time to go online, learn a little bit more about the Civil Resolution Tribunal, they'll see that this is, a, to me, this is revolutionary. I mean, it's it's not really brain science, but it is revolutionary because it, it's counterintuitive to the things, that, as you say, that we've grown to be co- accustomed to, and that is lawyers. Well, in, in a simple form, it's taken the process of justice and put it back into the hands of the public. Amen. And we've done it collectively because of the web, right? We have online services, accessible, uh, people can educate themselves, the system is designed to basically nurture them through the cycle, uh, find consensual solutions. It's very intuitive. Very intuitive. Um, It's a logical sequence of analyzing your problem to come up with solutions by yourself, but if you can't, you have a way of getting a decision out of it that becomes binding. Um, But I think one of the things to put it into perspective, if, if I live in a strata, we have an owner who has wild parties all the time, and even if we find him, if he just pays for that and still has wild parties, we don't solve the problem. Right. Um, before the tribunal came in, to get that solved, we were going to Supreme Court. And we were probably spending six to 18 months potentially, and we were spending upwards twenty-five dollars to $50,000. So now we, and we needed a three-quarters vote of the owners at a right. general meeting <laughs> to spend that money, which they frequently were against because they have other things to deal with, like well, repairs yeah. and stuff, right? And 18 months, who knows where you're going to be or and, what you're doing. And why do we want to spend $50,000 on a lawsuit uh, that we may or may not win? Right. Uh, so now Strata Council makes a decision. They don't need the consent of the owners. They make the CRT application. The CRT can order somebody to do something or stop doing something. It's just as binding. And they might be into it for three, uh, one to three months, and it might cost up to a couple hundred dollars, yeah, and that's it. And that's it. And, and the dynamics of that are overwhelming because it means suddenly that there are consequences for my actions in a strata. So I live in this strata that isn't really my castle that we all collectively own, right. um, and I'm not behaving well, and now there are some really viable actions. And, and that's what's amazing about this because I think it's the one thing that is going to make strata living so much more appetizing for the public. I agree, and I'm, I'm so excited about this, and I'm, I'm going to be watching it, and, and we'll do more uh, on CKNW about the uh, CRT because I think it's a, it's a, a huge jump forward. Uh, let's, let's see what Mike's up to. Mike, go ahead to Tony Giovantu. Is that me? Are you are you Mike? Yeah. Yeah, yeah please sure. go right ahead. Okay. Um, I've got a, a condo. It's a ground floor. Um, there's a, a cement roof on the uh, on the uh, parking uh, directly below, and so there's a, a foam and then a, a slab floor of, of uh, our condo unit. Um, water infiltrated through a, a failed, um, um, improperly uh, corrected leak. Um, out in the perimeter in the common property, 
found its way under the slab and um, in an open area, sucked up into the wall studs and, and rotted out some of the wall studs, which had to be, after we'd uh, bought it, we found inside the wall um, that there was rotten two-by-fours. It was hidden by you know fresh paint and everything, and you, you couldn't see anything. Um, that had to be replaced. Walls had to be you know stripped up uh, four feet and a new drywall, whole new flooring because it had run out under the uh, flooring. Under just the, uh, just in the interest of time, we're we're getting a good yep. picture of what you're talking about. Let's sort of yep. bring it back, okay, well, they, bring it down they, to the point. Yeah, um, the uh, um, Strata uh, Council maintains that it's uh, it's an issue in my suite, not uh, not a common property failure problem, and therefore should be my responsibility and my insurance should cover it. My insurance says there's no way that the policy covers that type of an issue. It's the, it's the building's problem. Well, it, it, uh, Mike, it's um, not an uncommon issue that you're dealing with. In fact, it's so common that it's one of the circumstances we dealt with with the leaky condos across the problem because it was a building envelope failure situation that occurred either at ground level, at balconies and decks, at doors and windows, at some other level on a building. Uh, sure. Strata Corporation is responsible to maintain and repair the structure of the building. Uh, so you need to look at that within your bylaws. The structure of the building is going to include the walls and the, the studs and the assembly all of those components. The strata is not responsible to maintain and repair a strata lot. However, if the damage occurs as a result of failure of the building envelope, what historically has happened is strata corporations do the restoration up to finishing circumstances. So walls are and windows are replaced, drywalls replaced up to paint-ready situation so an owner can just redo their finishing within their strata lots. If owners have done things like done betterments, put in hardwood flooring or those types of things, stratas are not responsible for betterments, um, but they are responsible for what was the original that was within the strata. So, it, because those may be part of the original fixtures, uh, it's um, it, we'd need more information to answer the question. But I think that that is this is certainly a circumstance that you could use the civil resolution tribunal for to be able to get a decision over who's responsible for all of these components. The other challenge we have, of course, in your case, is that this is not an immediate loss, so it's unlikely that either insurance policy would cover it anyhow. It's something that this is a maintenance issue that's been over a period of time. It becomes resultant damage from maintenance issues and the da- those damages are generally not covered under insurance policies. So it's going to come down to really determining what the strata's responsibilities are under the design of the strata plan, under the bylaws of the strata, who was responsible for the maintenance and repairs of these, were they done properly, was there some negligence involved. Um, it's, but it's a very good type of dispute that you could use the tribunal for to determine basically who's going to be responsible for the costs associated with your strata lot. Can I ask you one more quick question? Sure. When you say original flooring, um, we bought it uh, with flooring having been changed out to uh, to um, laminate. Right. It, are you going back to the original when it was originally uh, built in, ni- in the 1970s or as it was when we purchased the unit? Yeah, that's one of the mysteries for buyers that people have to be aware of. If you buy a condo unit, uh, you need to find out if, if there are any betterments because you will be responsible for those betterments as the buyer, whether they were done five years ago or 10 years ago. And they are things like enclosures and decks and balconies and all kinds of Is there of disclosure that on that kind of thing? Well, there should be, but the, the seller may not know. They may be the fifth or sixth right. seller okay. since those things were installed. The other thing is you may not know because you might have bought a unit that might have been a show suite of the developer that was the only unit in the building right. that was installed with original hardwood flooring, 
but that hardwood flooring would be part of the original fixtures and assets of the building and under the Stratus insurance. So, you know, there's a, there's this fine line between who's responsible and who's responsible to insure. But, sure. to, you know, rule of thumb, owners are responsible for what happens in the strata lot. But the structure of the building, which is going to include the walls, the drywall, all the substructure materials, all of those things generally fall within the purview of the strata corporation. But use the CRT to get a decision on that. Won't cost you much. Uh, you'll be able to get a decision. Be a good investment. And, and the strata gets an answer out of it that clears it up for them as well. What I'd like you to do, Mike, if you consider going through the Civil Resolution Tribunal, stay in yep. touch with me. Uh, okay. Let me know what, how it's going and, and how you're progressing and, and what the resolution to your situation is because this is something we want to follow. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. We've got to run along here. Uh, 604-280-9898. Star 9898 is our numbers. Tony Giaventu from Choa is here. When we come back after the news, we're going to talk about liquidation. Is your strata thinking about selling off the entire property? We'll tell you what the new rules on that is when we come back on Vancouver Consumer. News Talk 980 CKNW. So much talk about real estate these days, and so little of it has to do with strata living. So we're dedicating this to strata life or strata strife. And our guest, Tony Giaventu, is here, and he's uh, has obliged in answering your questions. If you want to call 604-280-9898 or star 9898, Tony Giaventu is the executive director of the Condominium Homeowners Association. How long have you been in that position? Uh, coming up 20 years That's pretty it, soon. Eh? They, yeah. said, they said it wouldn't last. Yeah, what, what did they know? I knew who knew. I knew you, uh, you're a busy guy. I want to ask you about liquidation, but uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about your itinerary because you are one of the most sought-after people, probably the best-spoken person when it comes to strata living. You write in the newspaper. You do hundreds of seminars. Uh, you're educating. A big part of what you do in your organization truly is about educating people. I would say predominantly what the association does is education and education through publication, research, seminars, workshops, on-site information meetings, and most of our staff do on-site work. How big is your staff? We only have a staff of eight. Eight? And you have three offices. We have three offices in the province and 200,000 members. Wow. So everyone has quite the stack of work and our our offices on an average day will probably vet through 300 emails, 150 calls. and. How uh, are you funded? By membership, obviously. Funded through membership. Is that 100% or do you have any kind of grant? Uh, we do some partnership research with um, BC Housing and HPO, but that's not funding. It's generally a partner- partnership research program. Right, so it's dedicated yeah. money. It's dedicated money to research projects with, with public contractors. Right. Um, and do you ever like like shake? I know, I know you're dedicated. I always I, shake my head. I, I know, <laughs> but I, I know I, I've gotten to know you as, as a very dedicated man. Do you ever like shake your head and go, what the hell am I doing here? There, there are a lot of days <laughs> I do that. <laughs> well, and it's, it's complicated for the public because it's complicated legislation. Uh, there are all kinds of interests pulling and pushing right. at every little strata community, whether you're, whether you're a duplex or whether you're 1,100 units, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, you have contractors and you have managers and legal professionals. And, and everybody's right. And, and everybody's right and everybody has an opinion. And it's very difficult to distill the information for the public down to simple forms uh, that so that they can understand it and make some competent decisions yeah. that are in their best interest, which it's one of the things as an organization we really work towards, how to make the concepts as simple to understand as possible. Let me ask you a simple question then. 
and I feel almost silly asking this, but does common sense at the end of the day usually, in most cases, rule the day? Well, that's what the objective is, um, is to put the information into such a simple, distilled fashion that it's easy for the strata corporation and the owners to make competent decisions. Uh, But does it always prevail at the end of the day? Oftentimes, it's not. Oftentimes, it's just pure economics. And and economic decisions are often short-sighted. We can save money doing this today neglecting the fact that five years from now we're going to have to pay for this all over again. Yeah, or right? and, 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 and then some. And then some. And, yeah. then, and, then, and then, you know, you go back to a strata over 15 years who've done the same project three times, whereas if they paid 15% more the first time, they could have done it once. Yeah. Right? And that's what's re- – it, it gets to be disheartening. That's where it gets to be one of those, what am I doing this for What am I doing days? for? Yeah. Let's talk about liquidation because uh, the rules have recently changed on if you have a property, a strata property – at one time, if you wanted to liquidate, by liquidate I mean sell the entire property to a developer, for example, you would have to have 100% of the owners agree. But that has changed, has it not? It's changed in a variety of ways. It's it's changed from a 100% or unanimous vote to an 80% vote of all the votes on the schedule of voting rights. Uh, and it's in the word liquidation is being used, and it's really the word, the term is winding up. We're winding up the strata okay. because we're going to sell it as a single parcel to an investor, to a developer, or someone who's going to redevelop it. Liquidation kind of makes it sound like it's a bankruptcy. It's not, right? right? It's really a, a, it's a positive decision. It's a winding up. And we may very well now be in a high-density city zone where, you know, the SkyTrain went through our neighborhood 10 years ago, and now there's a huge development. Lougheed Mall is a great example, right. and Brentwood Station, you know, great examples, and a lot of developments there that were underdeveloped. Um, small condo buildings with big property, uh, townhouse developments, you know, a small town, uh, a big townhouse development with 10 acres may have the potential of five to 800 units on it, which currently only has 70 units on it. And when we're building SkyTrain stations with density, you know, our objective is put as much density at the stations for for simple accommodation as possible. And you know why they're doing that? Because they're not building any more land, Tony. Well, <laughs> in British Columbia, it's a little bit of a challenge in yeah. the Fraser Basin, right? It's it's tough. Are to- we going to see a lot of properties, though, a lot of strata properties go through this winding down? Well, there are probably 20 to 40 properties that are actively going through the process right now. Is that a lot? How do I measure that? I don't think that's a lot given the number of stratas that are in the greater Vancouver, metro Vancouver area. You know, there are are probably 15,000, 20,000 strata properties in the the region. Mm. But, you know, given the location and density and rezoning and the expectation for accommodations as the population grows, we're going to have to do it. Uh, But for stratas, older stratas, this is actually in some ways a really great opportunity. I live in an old townhouse complex or an old apartment building, and I've certainly visited them in the past six months. And our building's going to be facing 35, 50, or 75,000 in special levies a unit over the next five years because of major upgrades, just because of the age of the building. Or what's behind door number two is a developer comes along and says, we'll give you 50%, 75%, 100%, 200% above market value. You start balancing that out and saying, well, wait a minute. I have a better opportunity, right, right from a cash management perspective mm-hmm. than an individual. So the strata corporation, what the strata's duty is, um, the best price for the best terms for their owners to make a decision. So the strata generally gets the owners to give them a go-ahead. They go to a meeting, majority vote, say, you know what, we want you to retain a broker and market the property. The strata markets the pro- gets the property marketed, um, and they get offers. And they sit down with their lawyer. They work through all the potential offers. There may be some 
counter offers and right. some discussions. And then when they've got the best deal they think they can get um, on the system, they go to the owners and say, do you, do you think this is a deal we want to vote on and take an 80% vote on? And if they can get 80% of the owners to vote in favor of the deal, um, then the formality of the resolution, the appointment of a liquidator who has to wind up all the properties, um, and then, of course, a court application. And this is something that's changed from the 100% vote. Even though it's been reduced to 80% right. of the voting rights, just to ensure that the best interest of the strata has been held and that that basically it's followed the procedures laid out in the required of the act, there still has to be a Supreme Court application now for the courts to ratify the decision, which is a good second sober thought right. that prevents you know, small stratas from being taken advantage of yeah. by unscrupulous um, investors. Just It just makes the a system big, a, a little deal. bit more scrutiny. It's a big deal because we're going to be displacing a lot of people. When you know The initial the initial problem is, you know, take one of the stratas that is looking at this, there are almost 100 units. Uh, so two things will happen. On one day, we suddenly have 100 people who are going to be homeless. Um, but we also have this other problem. We have 100 people who may potentially have a million dollars each in their pocket all fighting on the market and competing right. for what existing yeah. inventory that or there is. Or if they're looking for a rental unit that they can't find, and so it goes. <clears throat> and a and 100 people with that amount of money in their pockets, uh, we will have a whole different type of rent of rental and sales market where there's a lot of competition that's occurring, and, yeah. and it becomes an affordability issue. Let's uh, get some calls going. Um, Cliff is in South Delta. Hello there. Hi. Um, how are you guys? We're great. Go go right ahead. Uh, I've got a question about uh, buying a strata unit. When you sell a house, you're obliged to provide a property disclosure statement before the house can be sold. I'd like to know why in a strata sale you aren't obliged to have the minutes available and the AGM minutes available before the realtor is allowed to list it. Because what happens is people who are willing to take a chance get a an advantage over the people who want to wait and see the minutes. And a lot of the time the realtor says, well, we're taking offers and the minutes will be available in a few days. So the people who are willing to put an offer in without the minutes get an advantage over everybody else because of that. I'd like to know why or how how it could be enforced that the realtor has to have that information before he sits there and gets his big fat commission. Uh, good question, and it ha- it relates partly to the condition where we have a supply and demand problem in the industry, where we have more buyers than we have units available. So the time periods that exist um, aren't sufficient. Uh, to be able to put the documents and the materials together. Uh, I, and I agree with you. I, I seriously would doubt if I would buy a condo unit until I've seen a copy of the Form B, copy of the minutes, financial information. If you're buying blind, you're buying blind. You don't know what's coming down the road in the next five or 10 years. You don't know the last time the roof has been replaced. That goes with any real estate purchase. Any real estate purchase. These, and, and, these, and these non-subject deals make me very nervous. Well, and we do have people calling back now and saying, hey, wait a minute, we've discovered there's a, a special levy we weren't aware of. We yeah. didn't get. We didn't request a Form B. That's the other thing. There's there's no mandatory requirement to have a Form B. Uh, that's optional for a buyer's perspective. Should so, there be? I, you know, 
know, we may be getting to the point that it might be, might become a necessity, well, and it might have to articulate the inclusion of minutes and budgets and all of those yeah. things, and that information has to be available at the time of listing so that buyers have disclosure of information. Sellers also have property purchase disclosure obligations that they have to fulfill right. at the same time. Do you think that the Civil Resolution <laughs> Tribunal and data that they gather over the next you know weeks, months, and years will be used as uh, as future policy or, or, or law? Well, I think that we'll see decisions out of the tribunal start to influence how we make future policy right. decisions around this. But from a buy, when we get into a seller's market, this is what always happens. And you right know, now, we're still, even though single-family dwellings, the market has slowed considerably, there's still a huge demand for strata properties. They, and uh, I've, I've been to open houses uh, quite recently where there were a number of people. They're all stacking up. Same thing. You know, um, we're showing the property today. Uh, we'll be receiving offers next Tuesday. Here's the basic information, but no minutes or anything was at the meeting. Uh, no, no minutes at the open house there isn't anything you could read to get a sense of the building Um, uh, surprisingly though for in a lot of circumstances if you really want to know a lot about a property start googling it google the addresses you'll you can find out quite a lot of information about a property Um, if you're googling the site uh, the location the unit number uh, you can find out quite a bit about construction and history and what's going on how did we ever get along without Mr. Google well it's it's the encyclopedia at your fingertips hang on a sec makes a big difference Malcolm uh, you're next please stay with us we have to take a break we're a bit late here Tony Giaventu is the executive director of CHOA, the Condominium Homeowners Association. We're talking strata life or strata strife on Vancouver Consumer from News Talk 980 CKNW. We're talking about strata life on Vancouver Consumer with Tony Giaventu, executive director of CHOA, the Condominium Homeowners Association. Our phone is 604-280-9898 or star 9898. Malcolm, you've been very patient. Thank you. Go right ahead to Tony. Hi there. Um, my understanding was that the uh, BC government was bringing in a law where people that were on the strata councils had to go through some kind of training to let them know what they could and could not do. Uh, I just wonder if your Tony could comment on that. No, there is no such law. Um, other jurisdictions have actually looked at it, so Ontario have looked at it as well. Uh, the difficulty is um, there's no way of forcing it to happen. Uh, you know, we we do as much public education as we want as possible, but people have to avail themselves of it if they do actually have the resource. Uh, there are over a thousand information guides and articles on the CHOA website that are open to the public. If you just um, want to go to the website, it's choa.bc.ca. Uh, and um, you can enter in keywords and it'll give you all the articles and things that are available in the industry. That's your newly revamped website. Newly revamped website that has a great search engine on it now that um, is very easy to pull up relevant articles. But the difficulty is, I, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's a great idea. But the difficulty is that we then have to consider what the consequences are. And the biggest consequence that I've heard from most Strata Council members is, if that were to ever happen, we just won't be on council anymore. Well, this is it. And, so, and the thing you know, is with councils, we're talking talking about volunteers. They're volunteers. And they, yeah. they, they are, chances are, and boy, this might get me in trouble, but people that get onto council usually have their own agenda to attend to, or they have their own idea of how they'd like to see the world unfold. So there's that. They sometimes have a built-in bias. Most are, are there because they want a betterment for their community, for their strata. But I, I would say to Malcolm and to, to anybody else that's in a strata situation, I have been to CHOA seminars, and this is not to, not to butter you up because uh, there's nothing there for me, but they've been very informative, and, and, and you meet like-minded people at these things, and you come away much wiser, and you 
you're in a position where you can make better judgments. Well, and now more than ever, education is going to be critical for strata councils because you want to stay out of the tribunal. Uh, you know, I think I think one of the symptoms of this need for education or the compelling need for fixing things is that we have strata councils who and property managers who simply don't comply with the Act. And for owners to get any level of compliance, um, it often took a very expensive and long-term court action to get that to happen. Well, mm-hmm. now it's a very easy thing in the tribunal. You don't comply with the legislation, make a tribunal application, the tribunal can order a strata corporation to comply with the act and to remedy the circumstances. So, you know, in a very short period of time, we've seen a transition in the nature of consequences for strata councils and for property managers, and that's going to have a, a very positive effect. But that alone, once once you have a strata council, you take a strata council of three or 400 units um, that I'm working with in Surrey, they're facing the potential of seven different tribunal complaints over the next three months if they don't solve some of the problems that they have. Yeah. Well, you know, education is great, and we will certainly work with them to fix the problems. Uh, they have to avail themselves of it. They have to be willing to do this, though. And if they're not willing to do it, then we're going to see the tribunal used basically as the regulatory force, which is excellent. It finally gives owners an outlet to be able to say, my council's not doing what they're supposed to do. They're not complying with the act. That's great. Let's get an order. But, mm-hmm. you know, now flip side of the consequence, all those orders become decisions that have to be disclosed on a Form B with respects to a buyer buying into right. a building. And, and that has another implication. That's so important, and I'm glad that you brought that up because you want to consider that. We've got to move here because uh, we've got a few more things to get to before, before we have to say so long. One of the biggest things right now in Strata Living, and one of the biggest complaints that I hear, and I'd be curious to know if this is the same for you at CHOA, and that is this whole issue of smoking. Right. Is this a big deal? Or? Every day. Yeah. Every day, every conversation, everywhere is I go. Is it just smoking just... cigarettes or is it smoking pot, cigars, or is it any is it barbecues? It's everything. Everything that produces smoke and odors is a, is a complaint. Even cooking odors. That's, right. that's a complaint. And depending on the building that you're in, it may be manageable or it may not be manageable. You could be in, in an older building that's not airtight, that doesn't have hallway right. pressurization, where the smoke easily migrates into the hallways or into other strata lots, and you have to manage that uh, otherwise, is it easy to manage? I don't think so. Well, I think the way to manage it for Stratas is they have no choice, but they go into adopting a smoking prohibition everywhere in the building. Um, there is no smoking, period. So if I live in a Strata, for example, if I'm in a condominium and my Strata decides to prohibit smoking, does that mean it's retroactive? Even though I own that property, does that mean I can no longer... I don't smoke, by the way, but if... Well, it's not retroactive, but you remember that line about your home is not your castle? Right. Yeah, well, okay, so you know, I, from the day that that bylaw is filed on land titles is the day they're going so to enforce it. So if I've been it. living in my apartment, my condominium for 20 years, and I smoke, and suddenly the strata decides that's no longer a go, I can't smoke in my place. That would be the essence of it. Would I have a case at the at the CRT? Uh, you may have a challenge, maybe a human rights condition. What about there might my, be a dependency issue. Or my entitlement to enjoyment. Well, your entitlement to enjoyment doesn't surpass your obligation not to create a nuisance for your neighbors. Yeah. And that, and you don't need a smoking bylaw to deal with smoking in buildings. If we're doing something in our strata lot that causes a nuisance to the neighbors, the nuisance bylaw is sufficient to be able okay. to enforce that, right? Okay. And it could be noise. It could be cooking odors. It could be smoking. So it would could you be, be better off not going with a smoking bylaw? I think smoking bylaws are, not, are fine in the sense that they make it perfectly clear what the expectation is. But aren't they, is. Aren't they kind of mean-spirited? 
Isn't the nuisance of? Is, I don't that, know. Isn't a, isn't a bylaw that prohibits pets mean spirited? Right? Isn't a bylaw that prohibits children mean mean spirited? What they are is their you lifestyle. are the Grinch. They there are, <laughs> but, but but you know, depending on what your use of the property and intended use, the benefit of having the bylaw is it means that all the future buyers who come into the building know what the lifestyle condition of the building. You is. have to understand that, and we're going back full circle here. Is that if you're living in a strata title <clears throat> building or yeah. complex? that you are giving up a certain amount of, of yourself because you have to live cooperatively with everybody else. It's, an, it's absolutely essential for your strategy. Now, what happens if somebody moves into this situation and they're blind to that? They don't get that because so many don't. Uh, is there a way to correct that? I mean, I think every single strata council should have a, uh, uh, should have strata 101. They should sit down, have somebody from CHOA come by or go to one of the ser- uh, uh, seminars and learn that. Wrap your head around that, or you're going to be a miserable sob. Well, it's going to be it's going to be an unhappy life for you in a strata. People who downsize from single family homes to go into stratas. Uh, one of the big complaints we get in townhouse complexes, um, and especially in retirement communities, is they've retired, they've downsized. Uh, we moved our workshop from the garage or the basement into the garage. <laughs> into their living room. <laughs> uh, or into the garage of the townhouse, which they're not using as a garage. So they're parking on the street, plugging up the parking. Uh, and now they're running their saws and everything 24 hours a day doing stuff. And, and now we have the neighbors complaining because of the noise that occurs. Well, those are the types of things that really have an impact on us. Let's do a quick call here. Shannon, hi. Shannon? Hello, Shannon. Oh, hello. Hi, we've got about a minute here, so can you ask a question quickly? Oh, I don't know what happened to Shannon, but that's, maybe she'll call back. One thing that I wanted to uh, ask you about, and we're, we're just about out of time here, unfortunately. I know we could go on for a long time, and we're not going to discuss this. But that's something that has come up that I, I want to sort of, I want to do a hook here, because I want you to come back at a later date. We never talk about the whole business of property management when it comes to strata living. So we won't talk about it now because it would take far too long to get into it and to, to discuss it with any kind of a competency. But I want a, a pledge from you that you'll, you'll do that in a future date. Oh, absolutely, okay. because it's a deep topic. We got Shannon back here. Shannon, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, go ahead, please. Uh, tr- go quickly if you can. Sure. So my questions with regards to insurance, water uh, insurance to be exact, I had a unit that had a water leak. It was an investment property. And I'm now having the strata come after me for the damage or for the deductible on the insurance. But the reason why I'm asking this question is I've also had another unit that I owned that someone flooded into my unit several times. And the insurance company told me that you cannot sue someone who's insured under the policy, which everyone within the strata is. And so I'm just curious in what, in your, your opinion, can a strata come after the owner of a unit that originated a water leak from? The Strata Property Act very specifically permits a strata to take an action where an owner may be responsible for the loss. So the question is not if there was a water leak. The question is, if were you in some way responsible for it? And I think that's one of the things you'll have to look at. Was it your washing machine that failed? That's your responsibility. Did somebody overflow a bathtub? Or was it a common pipe in a wall that broke, which wouldn't have been your responsibility? So that's the essence of, of the issue is, were you responsible for it? So the strat is permitted to sue for that. 
Um, it's a damage, so it's something that couldn't be claimed on a Form F if you were selling your unit. It's, it'd be deemed to be damages. But it's also something that if you want to dispute it, you can make an application to the Civil Resolution Tribunal. I would recommend that. we got to go. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, thank you, Tony Giaventu, the Executive Director of the Condominium Homeowners Association. The website is... CHOA.BC.CA and go to civilresolutionbc.ca and click on Getting Started and use the Solution Explorer. It doesn't cost you anything and it'll help you analyze through all of your the sequence of the problems that you're dealing with. Jamie Bentin is our technical producer. My name is Ian Power. Stay with us. Shane Foxman has CKNW Weekend. This is Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW.